I want to start this morning talking about a man who is was very wealthy. A very wealthy man who took advantage of people with how he got his wealth. A lot of people didn't like him because he was taking advantage of them and he was benefiting himself on the um on the backs of others and he was collecting what he shouldn't have collected but something changed in his life something changed he heard about this man Jesus who showed up and he experienced the grace of God's salvation now kids you may know who I'm talking about here I'm talking about a short little wee man Short little guy who climbed up into the tree to see Jesus because the crowd was, was, was surrounding Jesus and he, he wanted to see Jesus. And when Jesus showed up, he told Jesus that he had given half of his goods to the Lord. And if he took anything wrongfully from somebody, he restored it fourfold. And Jesus said, today, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house. You see, I want to highlight this morning that when salvation came to this man, it was accompanied by a change in his heart and a change in his pocketbook. Okay? We're doing a series called Habits of Grace. Habits of Grace. And we're going to look at the grace of God's experiencing the grace of generosity in Second Corinthians chapter 8. You see, God's grace changes us from the inside out. It changes the trajectory of our entire life. And so we, we have spent time discussing uh, these channels of grace, uh, hearing God's voice. Uh, having God's ear, belonging to the body, going hungry for God, being co- committed to the fellowship. And today we're going to talk about experiencing the grace of generosity. As I was preparing this message, I can't help but think about my own life and what happened in me when I became a Christian over 22 years ago. Before I was a Christian, I was a taker. I was a taker. I grew up in a in a poor family. My mom was a single mother who raised three rowdy boys, and we were on food stamps. We stayed uh, in in a, in a very inexpensive apartment, and so we didn't have a whole lot. And so, to get something that I wanted, I started taking. I started instead of working hard, instead of having a, a fatherly figure there in my life to teach me to work hard. And be responsible and, and, and work hard with what, with what you have so that you can give. Ephesians 4 says, let him who steal, who stole steal no longer, but rather let him work with his hands that he, he may have something to give. I didn't have anybody to teach me that. So I tried to figure out my own path and figure out my own way. And I, and, and by nature, I was a taker or an enemy of God as, as Ellie mentioned this morning. But when I became a Christian, December 12th, 1998, something supernatural changed in my heart. I transitioned from a taker, a mere consumer and a taker, to a giver. 
God changed my heart. I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so the church that I was going at, every every just like we have a communion, a short little communion exhortation every morning, uh, every Sunday morning, we, the church I was at had one on offering for offering every Sunday morning. Would y'all like that if we had that? Every, every week, a little, a short little sermonette on giving and, and the importance of it. Because the, the church that I came to Christ at, there were a lot of people that came off the streets and out of jail. And a lot of people in that church were former takers. They were taking. And, and I was one of those takers. And so the importance of teaching about generosity and teaching about giving and Christian stewardship was, was very important. And so, uh, so I started uh, at 17 years old, I started tithing as the Old Testament teaches because I heard messages about it. And so it was, it was, a, it was a paradigm shift for me, giving 10% of my funds. Just, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but, but I, as a Christian, I just wanted to give everything. I mean, if God would have asked for 90%, I would have given that, right? Uh, or, or all. And, and, and so I did my best and I, I remember one time, uh, I was working at a cleaners and I had gotten paid $400. And so I, I put in $40 in the offering plate. And the very next day, this was interesting. Um, the very next day I bought a lottery ticket. <laughs> so I was a new Christian, by the way, not, I'm not endorsing buying lottery tickets. And I just so happened to win $40. I had just put in $40 in the offering plate. I was learning to tithe and I bought a lottery ticket and I got 40 bucks and I'm like, God, this really works. This really works. Is this all I got to do is put my tithe in and then you, you give it right back to me like that? And, uh, and of course I was, I had enough discernment to realize that, that Satan was probably in there trying to get me to, uh, indulge in gambling and, and go that route. Um, but nevertheless, that was an experience that I had as, as a young, Christian and, and and I haven't by the way I haven't stopped that habit since I become a Christian. So in my mind I've always just had okay 10% belongs to the Lord. And for a lot of people for, and by the way I wasn't planning to preach on tithing today. I'm planning to preach on just giving. Um a lot of people see tithing as a cap. Like here here's the here's the cap uh, when you um, you know, you give 10%, you've done your duty and you, you move on, right? Um, but, but when, when we look at the New Testament, God calls his people to so much more than just giving 10% of our funds, right? I, I, as Randy Alcorn in his book, um, uh, The Treasure Principle, he says that tithing is like training wheels, okay? It's training wheels. It's learning, uh, learning to, to be a, a generous person. And so we're going to look at, um, in the New Testament, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul exhorting the Corinthian church who had a lot of struggles and who needed to allow the grace of the gospel to sink deep within their lives and be transformed by it. And so he exhorted them to participate in this grace of giving. Now, first of all, let me just remind us as well that we... Uh, value here at City Church, joyful generosity. One of our eight core values that we, that we embrace here is this idea of joyful generosity. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You see, if we really believe that, our actions will, will be, it's gonna affect our pocketbook. 
It's going to affect how we, how we steward and how we spend and how we give. And so God has been abundantly generous towards us. And the effect of his generosity on us leads us to be joyfully generous to others. We value this. Okay? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul uses the word grace, charis, ten times. God bless you. Salute. Ten times he uses the word grace, and it's in connection with generosity. It's in connection with giving. The word charis, which is my daughter's name, um, charis, uh, means undeserved favor or blessing, okay? Undeserved favor or blessing or gift. Now, we've also talked about how the Bible uses that as um, as this divine influence and this empowerment as well. But here, we see Paul talking about God's grace as this activity working in the lives of Christians to to not only be recipients of the gift, but be conduits of giving as well to others. Okay, starting in verse one. And actually, let me pray. Father, as we open up the word, would you open up our eyes and may we see the kingdom of God as more valuable than the treasures of this world? Would you allow us, help us to be in that channel where your grace is flowing Especially when we're, we're talking about generosity and being a generous people. Would you change our, change our hearts where we are holding on to our lives and we are holding on to our stuff and it's hurting us and it's hurting those around us? Help us to loosen the grip so that your, fl- your grace can freely flow through us into the lives of others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means... And as I can testify and be on their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that he had start that we urged Titus that as he had started that so he should complete among you this act of grace but as you excel in everything in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness in our love for you see that you excel in this act of grace also i say this not as a command but to prove the earnestness of others uh, to uh, to prove the earnestness of others to others that your love is also genuine for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this manner, I give my judgment, this benefits you, who a a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what a person does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need and that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered gathered little had no lack. So here's our big idea this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Those who experience the grace of God flowing to them are to allow joyful, willing, and sacrificial generosity to flow through them. Those who experience the grace of God flowing to them are to allow joyful and willing and sacrificial generosity to flow through them. As I've said before, the God has designed us to be not only recipients of his grace, but conduits of his grace. Not to be a cul-de-sac, but to be conduits of the life and the love and the truth and the grace of God. And it's when we enter into this dynamic, it's, it's then that we come fully alive. And we, we, we hit on all cylinders when, when we're, when we're not only receiving all the good things that God has for us, but we're, we're aiming to, to give to others, to pour out our lives to others. Okay? And so first of all, let me just highlight a little bit of the context here. Paul was planting churches and he was, there was a poor church in Jerusalem. There was heavy persecution and Paul was trying to collect an offering to give some relief to this poor church in Jerusalem. Okay? Now the Christians lived in a wealthy city. There was a lot of exchange. There was a, um, a, a lot of commerce. And so they had funds there. And, and a number of other churches were contributing. There, there's this unity, this mindset that we're in this together as the church. Let's make sure our poor brothers and sisters who are in distress have what they need. And so Paul was being a conduit of God's grace. Though he didn't uh, have a whole lot himself, he was he was living on little. He was traveling as a, as a missionary. He was collecting an offering for this church in Jerusalem that was struggling. And we can see some of that context in Romans 15, where he said, at the present, however, I'm going to, to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints for Macedonia and Echinacea, um, have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought to be of service to them in material blessings. And then First Corinthians 16. Verse 1 and 2, it says, Now concerning the collection of the saints as I directed the churches in Galatia, so also you are to do. 
On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside something and store it up that he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. So here's the context. Paul was trying to get a collection for the Jerusalem church and the Corinthians. There was some conflict. There was some tension there. They were pushing back on Paul's apostolic authority and, uh, and they hadn't done what they said they were going to do in providing a collection for this church. But there was this other church in Macedonia who did. And they didn't have a whole lot to go on. And yet they were generous. And so one of the, the first thing I want to highlight here is that experiencing God's grace leads to generosity. So here's a poor church in, in, in the, or the churches in Macedonia who were going through really hard times, who were going through persecution, affliction, and it says in their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. So they didn't have as much to give, but they were, they were giving to this, they, and they wanted to give. Like, right? And they even, Paul said they were eager to give. They were begging, let us participate. Yeah, we don't have a lot to give, but we want to participate in this and help out those who are in Jerusalem. And so these are people who've been changed by the radical generosity of our Lord Jesus. Now notice that they gave joyfully and they gave generously. They gave joyfully and they gave generously they gave sacrificially and they gave radically they gave enthusiastically and they gave willingly they weren't coerced to give they weren't talked into it to doing something that they didn't want to do they had experienced the radical grace of jesus and salvation and they just wanted to to help out Chuck Swindoll says that in light of God's magnificent grace, a cheerful heart and an open-handed generosity seem the most natural responses. And this church had that. And though they didn't have much, they were giving much. Because in God's eyes, our giving, how much we're giving isn't based on the number, the dollar amount. But really, how much we're, we're, we're willing to inconvenience ourselves and give out of what we do have. Like, remember the widow. And uh, Jesus was watching the offering take place. And there was a, it was kind of a show, right? People had lots of money. And they were going and tossing their coins in the offering bucket, bringing their tithes and their offerings to the Lord. And Jesus is watching and he sees this one poor widow who has two mites. And he says, that woman right there has given more than everyone else. They've given out of their abundance, but she's given out of her lack. And so this church here was like that. They didn't have a whole lot, but they were giving out of what they had. And actually, Paul says, even beyond their means, they weren't, they weren't living beyond their means, overspending beyond their means. They were, they were giving beyond their means. Man, this is challenging. And I know, uh, I have to just say too that I'm not a prosperity preacher. Even though my last name is Keith Dollar, I feel like I have to apologize anytime I talk about money because my last name is Keith Dollar. So please don't confuse me with any other TV preacher with the last name Dollar. Okay? I think we have Slightly different 
emphasis. So, nevertheless, this is an aspect of God's grace working in our lives. When we experience it, it changes us. Okay, and it's not about how much you have that, that you give from. Um, I, I got a quote here, a story about Warren Buffett. Let me see if I can find that. Billionaire who gave lots of money. Uh, and this is what he said about his, his, his offering. Uh, let's see. Well, never mind. Can't find it. <laughs> Basically, he said that that he still he gave like two points twenty six million or billion or whatever, and he said, you know, I can still go to the movies. I can still, I'm not inconvenienced in any way, but basically the true heroes are, are those who, um, who experience inconvenience in their, in their giving, in uh, giving, who give sacrificially. Let me see if I can find that. Yes, I can. Anyhow. So first of all, let me highlight this or mention this as well, that they first gave to God and then to others. He said, not, not that we expected, but, but they gave first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Kent Hughes says that grace is first rooted in a response to God. It's first rooted in a response to God. It, um, the second thing I want to highlight is that experiencing God's grace involves accepting and allowing it to flow through you. Now, the Corinthians had become Christians, Right? But they, they don't seem to have this eagerness to be generous like some of the other churches. So it wasn't automatic. They were Christians and they, they surely, certainly weren't perfect Christians. You know, it's been said that, you know, when you read the book of Ephesians, you've got kind of the ideal of the church. But when you read the book of Corinthians, first Corinthians, you got kind of the, the realism of, of what's in the church, the messiness of the church, right? There's, there's a number, but yet Paul calls them saints. Paul calls them saints. And, and, and so, so it's not automatic. This, this didn't flow automatically. It involves first accepting the gift from God, the grace that flows from Him, and then allowing it to flow through us. So notice in verse six, according, accordingly we urge Titus, as he started, so that he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, and speech, knowledge, and earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Paul had to exhort them in this because it wasn't automatic. It didn't happen automatically. It takes intentionality and it takes a willingness it takes a willingness. And, and I think it also it, take, it takes us really having our eyes open to grasp how amazing this grace is that has been displayed towards us. And sometimes those of us, I'm speaking to Americans here, those of us with plenty and more, more than enough, sometimes our abundance blinds us to the amazingness, the, the, the beauty and the generosity of God and what he's given us. May we not become indifferent and numb to the reality that everything we experience in this life is a gift from God's hand. Amen? And so it involves accepting and allowing it to flow through us. We can be a clog in the channel, right? 
We can be a clog in the channel. And so we gotta have vision for this. We gotta, we gotta have a biblical perspective if we're gonna loosen the grip on our lives and on our resources for the glory of God. Some of us need to hear those words from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, for you are not your own. Over your, over your own body when it comes to morality and being, living a holy life, but also our pocketbooks. It's not your own. You belong to God and everything you have belongs to God. And the biblical view of stewardship is that it all belongs to God, that He's the owner and we're just the stewards. We're stewarding His stuff. Now that frees us up. That frees us up when the house burns down or the car blows up. As John Wesley said, hey, somebody said, John Wesley, your, your house is on fire. He said, well, that's the Lord's house. He'll take care of it. <laughs> See, when, or, or if you know the pineapple story, right? The pineapple, the, I, I don't have time to go into the pineapple story, but it's a great story. The pineapple story, missionary story about the pineapples and the, the pineapples that kept getting taken away from the missionaries who planted the pineapples. And then at one point, the missionary dedicated those pineapples to the Lord. There was a shift. These are the Lord's. And he communicated that to the locals who had been taking the pineapples. These are the Lord's. And all of a sudden, there was this reverence. Oh, these are God's. We can't steal from God. Right? And so there was a shift that happened. And and we all need that shift in our mind. In our mind, when it comes to our stuff, it's not ours. It's God's. And so that frees us up, one, to be generous. And that frees us up to not have our hearts and our lives so wrapped up in our stuff that when we lose it, we're not heartbroken and devastated because we've made an idol of our wealth. We need to be able to say like Job, when it's all stripped away from us, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And so experiencing God's grace involves us us accepting and allowing that grace to flow through us. And here's where I'm excited about going. Experiencing God's grace comes through knowing Jesus. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Here's the basis Here's the basis of Paul's encouragement. Here's the basis of our generosity. Our God is generous and God has been so generous to us in sending his son to rescue us. And this is grace. This is grace manifested. And when we come to know the one who's full of grace and full of truth, the one who had it all, has it all, and he emptied himself and he poured out his life and he humbled himself. He didn't hold on to all that stuff. But he gave up. He gave it up for you and for me. This is the grace of our Lord Jesus. That though he was rich... This is the greatest missionary that ever entered into the world. Sent from heaven to earth. And he became poor for your sake. Look to your neighbor and say, he became poor for you. That you might become rich. Now, I may sound like a prosperity preacher there just quoting that. And let me just first of all say, this doesn't mean that God... This obviously doesn't mean that God's going to make everybody materially rich. I mean, 
The Macedonians must have missed it if this was true. Because they were poor. With stuff. But they were rich with the blessings of God. They were rich with the blessings of God. And the fact that they were able to give so freely, sacrificially, and joyfully just highlights the reality that they were so blessed because the things of this world that were passing away that really will mean nothing in eternity didn't have such a grip on their life that they weren't able to just give it away. As Jim Elliott says in those famous words, he is no fool who, who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to give what he cannot keep to earn what he cannot lose. This was a man who gave up his life to reach an unreached people group with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's an example of that very statement. And ultimately, Jesus is that example. Jesus gave his life up for us. He emptied himself instead of holding on. He let go and he obeyed the Father even to the point of death and death on the cross. And you see, Paul wanted to center the Corinthians again on the gospel. He wanted the gospel to sink deep within them he wanted them to get it he wanted it to penetrate their hearts and their lives to where the grace just flowed tim Mackey in the, in the bible project uh in his video on this he says to be a christian means to let this story sink deep in into your mind and heart letting it transform you into someone who is more generous more willing to share your life and resources to help others. We must allow the gospel of grace to transform us. J.D. Greer says that if you are not generous, this is a strong statement, if you're not generous, you've never really experienced the gospel. If you feel guilty about how little generosity you show, you don't understand the gospel. So let, let me explain. This is what he says. He says, first, the major component of what it means to truly be converted is that you realize his kingdom is the most beautiful and lasting reality in this universe. You begin to find your significance in it, not in what you possess. So you don't have to spend lots of money to add beauty and significance to your life. Second, you recognize Jesus, not money, is your security for the future. So you don't have to save extravagant amounts of money to make you feel secure. Third, to be truly saved means that you have some sense of how gracious God has been to you. The Bible repeatedly shows that the sign that you have tasted God's grace is you become gracious. Thus, if you've tasted of the gospel, you will be gracious instinctively. And so let me give you 10 reasons to give generously. 10 reasons. First of all, I've mentioned it already. God is generous. God is generous. There is no higher motive for, for Christian giving than the example that God has set forth for us in give, the giving of his son. God is generous. Second, God loves a cheerful giver, a, gener, a generous giver. And he's been generous toward us. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. 
And then we want to act like our heavenly father. We want to be like him in our generosity towards others. We want to also guard against materialism and covetousness. We live in a materialistic culture. We live in a materialistic culture where it's, it's the water that we swim in. Materialism, stuff, having stuff. It just takes two clicks and you can have it at your door tomorrow if you want it. So convenient, right? And so we have to guard against that. And one of the antidotes for guarding against materialism and greed is generosity. To experience the joy of seeing another benefited. It's a joyful thing to be God's Amazon delivery person. To be the conduit of his gifts, his grace to other people. To enhance their lives and bless their lives. It's interesting how we get more blessed out of giving. Than even the recipient, the, the person who receives. Like we get more joy, more, more satisfaction out of it. And God just set it up that way. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But it's a kingdom reality that we experience when we engage in it. To display the genuineness of 2 Corinthians 8.8. 8, Paul told the Corinthian church, guys, let your love be put on display here. That, that it's genuine. To be a witness to unbelievers. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And then to advance the spread of the gospel. Here's, those are ten reasons. J.I. Packer says this. He says, the ministry of giving has many goals. Spreading the gospel, sustaining the church, providing care for distressed individuals. The ministry of giving in all its forms aims to advance the kingdom of God, which becomes the reality in the human life whenever the values and priorities of Christ's teachings are observed. It goes without saying that in this ministry, all of God's people are meant to be involved. Amen? And so the basis for our giving, according to Eugene Peterson, he says, um, speaking about the offering is based upon the conviction that we have gotten nothing from all our sweat and, ex- and exertion if God hadn't first given us the ground to use, the muscles to work, a brain to think, a community to live in and be employed in. Everything comes to us as a gift from God. Sunshine and rain, fruitfulness and fertility, strength and health. They are all from God. Our offering is an acknowledgement of that. It's a way of honoring him and giving thanks to him. Here's the basis of our giving. That it's all, it all, it's all God's. It all comes from him. He gives us the ability to, uh, De- Deuteronomy chapter eight, to, to, to get wealth, to work hard and to, to, to see increase. It's a gift from his hand. And so some of the barriers that many, many face when it comes to this, the first one is fear. Fear. Fear that there won't be enough. And this is the opposite of joyful generosity. One reason many people don't engage in being cheerful givers is that they are afraid that they will not have enough and and it may be that they're trusting in the wealth, the stuff, rather than trusting in God. 
Jesus said you can't, you can't serve God and mammon. Either you'll love one and hate the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And so, so we have to trust God instead of being afraid. Um, misunderstanding, thinking that everything that we have is our own rather than God's. Lack or love of money. Sometimes we just love our stuff too much. We're unwilling to step out and trust God and being generous. Deceitfulness of riches. Riches promise so much, but yet they deliver so little. They can't satisfy the human heart. They can't deliver us. And then unwise spending is another barrier. Sometimes, oftentimes, we, we don't spend wisely. And so what we do have is not, not stewarded well. And so we don't, there's not enough to, to give out. Because we've misstewarded it. And so those are some of the barriers of generosity. Let me, let me finish sharing from an example from Eugene Peterson as he was observing some birds that were being nudged by mama bird to learn to fly. He wrote, he said, birds have feet and can walk. Birds have talons and can grasp a branch. Securely, they can walk, they can cling, but flying is their characteristic action. And not until they fly are they living at their best, gracefully and beautifully. Giving is what we do best. It is the air into which we were born. It was the action that was, that was designed into us before our birth. Some of us try to desperately hold on to ourselves, to live for ourselves. We look so bedraggled and pathetic doing it, hanging on to a dead branch of a bank account for dear life, afraid to risk ourselves on the untried wings of giving. We don't think we can live generously because we've never tried. But the sooner we start, the better. For we are going to have to give up our lives finally. And the longer we wait, the less time we have for the soaring and the swooping life of grace. Amen. Last week at the men's breakfast, one of the men came up to me and shared an experience with me that he had. He was driving and he saw a homeless person that needed some food it was cold and he he was moved with compassion for this homeless guy and as he saw that homeless guy he was reminded of a season in his own life when food was hard to come by when he was in a difficult time and he was moved it was emotional for him it was moving to him and so he looked into his wallet to pull something out to give to the homeless guy and all he had was a not a five or a 10 or a 20, he just had a 50. So that just had to do, right? So he gave him the 50 and the, the homeless guy just, just lit up. He got excited, right? And, and, and so, uh, one of the, the guy was, was just sharing with me just how special that was 
to be able to be a conduit of God's grace, to be able to give, having experienced grace from God in his own life and God providing and bringing him through times of scarcity, it felt really good to be able to give back to somebody else in need. Now, the, the Macedonian church, they were, they were very poor and, and they, they were giving out of their need. As, um, Pastor Mike had shared years ago about this, he said, imagine, he said, imagine that a homeless person came up to your window, knocked on your window and said, hey, can I give you some gas money? You look like you could need it. You look like you need it. Right? That, that would be like crazy for, you know, for somebody on the street who's struggling, doesn't have a place to stay, to give. And that's what this radical generosity looked like in the lives of the Macedonians. So the Apostle Paul points to the Macedonians as an example, as an inspiration of God's grace put on display. And then he points to the example of Jesus as the ultimate example of grace and generosity to display. And so let me just close with a couple of application points. First, be amazed. Be amazed as you ponder the grace of God that was shown to you through Jesus Christ. Let it sink in. Let it sink in. Be amazed by it. If, if this message is, if you feel guilt or shame or you feel bad in any way as we're talking about this, push back on that because that's not the grace of God working in your life. Okay. God, God wants us to be amazed by his goodness and grace in our lives and let that change us and let that loosen up those crusty areas in our hearts and in our lives that are just holding on. And then believe, believe and receive God's amazing grace for you. Believe that what God has given you is enough, that he's enough and that he's going to continue to send his goodness your way for all eternity. And then lastly, allow God's grace to flow through you being joyfully generous with your time, your gifts and your resources. So it's not just about money here. It's also our time. Our time is actually even more precious and more important than our money. Because you can get money back. You can get money back, but you can't get time back that's wasted here on this, on this, in this world. Right? And so let us be a generous people. This, this is what the gospel calls us to. Again, Paul doesn't lay down a law here. He doesn't give a specific, like, all you guys need to give this amount. He doesn't do that. He points to the, the generous grace uh, operating in the life of, of the Macedonians. He points to the grace operate, operating through Jesus, being put on display through Jesus. And he just encourages and exhorts the church to get in that channel of grace and allow it to flow through them. And this is for our joy. This is for God's glory. Amen? And so let's pray. Father,
this is difficult to talk about for me. And yet we see the example of Jesus spending lots of time addressing wealth and our stewardship of it because it's so closely connected to our hearts. And so, Lord, we pray that our in our lives we would make room for you and that we would allow you to do what you want to do in our hearts, in our lives, and that we would be marked by joyful generosity here, that it wouldn't just be aspirational for us as a value, but that it would be actual, that we would be a joyfully generous people. And may we be moved by your grace, not coerced, not manipulated. May we push back in any way where where that's operating. We thank you that we don't have to pay for a membership to be a member in your body. That we don't have a, a monthly payment, a bill that's sent to us every month. That, that God, you have generously paid for us and you've given us the resources of heaven, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And so may we live like that. Deliver us from an orphan mentality, a scarcity, poverty mentality, that there's not enough or that there's not going to be enough. May we live like you're our dad and that you own everything that everything's yours and you're going to take care for care of us in jesus name we pray amen may the lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you may he be gracious to you and lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace